Welcome to Season 3 of the M-W Tactical Podcast. Sit back and enjoy the conversations of the mad scientist and myself as we discuss the sport of shooting, goals, training, and everyday life. You are listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. What's up, good people? We're back at it again. Another installation of the M-W Tactical Podcast. And once again, we have another show for the week, and we hope we entertain you to the fullest. This week's show is sponsored by Blazon is a title sponsor for the South Carolina sectional taking place at Belton, South Carolina, 30 April through 2 May. Registration is open for that match. And please, I am asking everyone, please go sign up for this match so the mad scientist can stop trying to tackle me, put me in the headlock. He's trying to hurt me. I don't want to get hurt. I've been working on it. I'm trying not to get hurt. People, help me. Help me out here. All right. But Mike's a big dude. (laughs) Blazon. Everybody, please go check out Blazon Apparel (laughs) um, for all your, your shirt orders and... They have a friendly staff that you might start talking to them and you don't want to hang up the phone or leave their shop. But Blazon Apparel here in Columbia, South Carolina. Look them up. All right. Once again, as we already stated beforehand, the South Carolina section is taking place 30 April through 2 May. Registration is open as we spoke earlier. And at the same time, we have the match shirts that will be online if they're not already online. I just can't remember the exact time frame when Lucky told me that he was going to post them up. And I must say, those match shirts are hot. Yeah, I like it. Oh, it's going to be in the next day or two, uh, if yeah. if not later this afternoon. Man, They're going to be up soon. Man, oh, man. I, I was like, whoo, those are the hotness right there. So if anything, head on over to the Facebook page, 2021 South Carolina Section No Championship. And check out the stages that are being presented along with the match shirts all right moving forward bringing in the one the only the mad scientist himself the one who actually turns the screws bends the wrenches and actually gets my gun up to championship quality dave what's going on dave? <laughs> what's going on mike i try not to bend wrenches too much but i have <laughs> bent a few of them before Broken some C clamps, and you know things happen. I, I bent the screwdriver last week. A screwdriver? Yeah. Well, it was a little one on the 3D printer, you know. So um, I ended up getting a 3D printer, and I'm trying to learn how to do all that stuff so I can start yeah. doing stuff on my own. And um, I bent the screwdriver. I didn't realize I did it. I was like, man, I don't even know my own strength. Dang, <laughs> what's going on? Right now? Yeah, like the Hulk. Oh man, yeah. You know that used to be my um. My favorite superhero when I was a kid. He's my favorite right now. Really? Yep. I don't know. I, I think, like I said, I started off with the Hulk. Then I faded to Batman, then Spider-Man, then like Wolverine, then back to yeah. Spider-Man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I think I, I like all those guys, but the Hulk, um, it fits my uh, m- mentality, I think. I don't. I don't know. I, I, I try not to show it a whole lot. 
Oh, when you turn, when you get mad, you turn green. But yeah, sometimes <laughs> <laughs> you won't like me when I'm angry. <laughs> now, would you believe me if I told you um, the comic book um, heroes, all that was started and based off of um, the racial inequality? Oh, what? Uh, which yeah. which ones? In what way? I'm sure all of them weren't, but okay. So when, when Mag- they got started, Magneto and Professor X. That yeah. was characters based off of Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. Okay, the from the X Men right. original, some of the original Marvel char- Marvel characters from the X Men. Right, I can't remember how the Hulk was explained, but it was uh, the the way it was explained to me was, you know, like how you can be humble, and then once you get upset, you start speaking and you get excited with your emotions. And then yeah. other people try to come back and say, oh, look, you're being irrational. You're, you're being overbearing. You're, you're being rude. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, well, then I'm just going to smash you. Hey, that's it. <laughs> that's how you do it. <laughs> All right. But yeah, like I said, that, that was um, like a little lesson. And actually, Stan Lee was the one who said that in, a, in, a, in one of his interviews. Huh. Yeah, so oh, that's he, cool. Yeah. So when he said that, I was like, oh, man, I never equated that. And then when no, you go I back and either. you look at it and start weighing it out. And I was like, man, okay, it does make sense for that to take place like that. All right. So moving forward, this is the lady of M-W Tactical, the one who does not draw fire anymore. She hasn't shot a match in since December, but she did go all out for three kids' birthdays in one week. And then she had a birthday earlier in this week you know so for everybody that did say happy birthday to coach b on social media thank you for that but without further ado coach b what's going on b hey michael hey dave hey, she, coach b she didn't tell happy you birthday she, she just thank woke you. up off the floor you yeah. know what I'm saying? So on the she, floor yeah, she came in and was like, we doing a podcast? Yeah, we're going to do it. She went straight to the floor. I was like, all right, we started. And she wakes up. <laughs> Congratulations on another birthday, man. It's, it's yeah. So um, how's Everybody everything going since get... the birthday? It's been good. Um, I'm tired. Stayed up late last night. Partying like a rock star, huh? Celebrating, yes. <laughs> rock star. Yeah, so apparently you had a hard day at work. So um like going to bed when you went to bed after 12 you said yes oh my gosh i haven't been up that late in 10 years oh, <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't make it i would just pass oh. out wherever i was no man, around oh, 8 8 39 or so so you have to carry me man it wasn't necessarily by choice, but um, <laughs> Michael and I and the kids were up talking and it just kind of. No, I left. You stayed up a little <laughs> later after I left. No, you left at midnight. I didn't realize it was midnight when I, I thought it was legitly 10 o'clock. So, right. But when I left, I did come home. I went straight to bed. And then when I spoke to you, you was like, it was a little bit after 12. And I was like, holy cow, you're up there partying, huh? <laughs> I used to do it, man. I have done it. I'd stay up till the sun came up. And then we'd go to the flea markets and go shop around in the morning. Oh, and man. it's yeah. a, not anymore. That was a long time ago. <laughs> now, I can tell you, when I first joined the military, we used to do stuff like that. 
um, literally stay up all night, go to the clubs, hang out all night, leave the clubs, go someplace else, party some more, then go straight to PT formation the next day. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> because um, one of the clubs we went to was like on a Wednesday. It was like the spot that was jumping on a Wednesday. So, you know, Thursday morning, we go on the PT formation and half the people hung over, but still running like the distance they're going to run. So, you know, a lot of guys throwing up on the halfway through PT. Oh, yeah. I don't know. (laughs) So what's what's anything? All right. So let's put it like this. If you had three birthday wishes right now, what would your three wishes be? It's hard for me to count. <laughs> there we go. One, two, three. Probably that I wouldn't have to go to work any longer. Okay. After today. Oh, so you want to retire life. Yeah, retire life. <laughs> financially stable. Okay. And be financially stable, yes. I like that. So that's one. Um, you want one of, these, one of these guns? <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, that might come with financial stability, right? That's here. right. Yeah. yeah, I could, yeah. I could buy that. Atlas Nemesis, I'm working on right now mm-hmm. for a friend of ours. Mm-hmm. What's, what's your number two, though? What's my number two? Mm, I don't know. I guess um, honestly, probably that my kids are healthy and safe. But let's say it's about you. Let's come back to that. You got two more wishes to think about. We're going to hit you up later on. Personal personal birthday wish. It's got to be about you on your birthday. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So like for mine, it would be, I think I would want to get an RV. One that's big enough that has a bed that I can fit in. I don't got to sleep from corner to corner, you know, (laughs) and I travel around and do competition matches. Have you ever had an RV before? No, I didn't, but um, I had one family member that did, and then I have a couple of friends that all do. Okay. And, of course, my buddy Maj Ture, he has one also, so when he came to South Carolina, I was, like, pretty much torn his, and I was like, okay, all right. But it wasn't enough to make me be like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and get one, because I, I think it's better to it. go ahead and get like a hotel room drive yep go, go ahead and get you a little rental car and go to a hotel room or fly or yeah. whatever dude i had a i had an rv and i had that idea too mm-hmm. and i will never own an rv again oh man we gotta talk about that one we gotta talk about that one offline because actually i told coach b a while back and i want to say it was like the beginning of last summer we was driving up to one of the matches. It might have been Belton or Spartanburg. And I was like, I think I want to get like a small RV, like medium size one, whereas we can like drive around and you know bring everybody that wants to go to the same location. And it's like a clubhouse on wheels is going to a match. Yeah. I, they may, I don't know. I, I, they might have their place and, and they, may work in some instances the only thing it, i think it, it didn't about, work for me <laughs> yeah i think the rv i think it's more issues will be with an rv just me thinking and i think the issue is that it's doing more sitting than you know on the road driving and operation like it should be you know so that's that's my thought but like i said i i never dove into it but I do want one, but the other half of me, like, I don't want to put it in the work to upkeep it either. <laughs> I, I tried it and drove it across country and it, it 
I'm glad I'm mechanically inclined. <laughs> I think the maintenance with it would be part of the problem. <laughs> yeah. the... Yeah. I just remember one point we were we were making bets on what was gonna break next. Like we had a hat on the floor of the RV. Like while we were driving down the road, we were tossing money in there, making bets on what was gonna be the next thing to break on the RV. And we ended up tying up the muffler with some uh, wire that I cut off of a whisk, you know, like a kitchen whisk, you know. And uh, you know, it blew off, and the muffler fell off, and then ah, it, I don't oh, know. Wow. You can have your RV. I'll meet you there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then let's do this. Let's go ahead and um, hop into a quick commercial break, and then we're gonna come back and hit up these talking points, and then find out what's Coach B's other two wishes that she would like to have for a birthday. You know, moving forward in life. You know, so. Please, everybody, go ahead and stay in them seats. If you're in your vehicles, tighten up those seat belts, roll up the windows, turn on the heat or AC, depending on where you are in the country, turn up the volume, and here are a few words from our sponsors. Mental Health and Guns. At Walk the Talk America, we are working with both the mental health community and the gun industry. Created by a gun industry veteran, Walk the Talk America seeks to raise awareness and create change through suicide prevention and firearm safety without legislation. We strive to eliminate the prejudice that firearms and mental health face. For more information and to support Walk the Talk America, please visit walkthetalkamerica.org. JM4 Tactical has developed a state-of-the-art polymer holster that will quickly become your go-to holster. With high quality Hermit Oak leather, securely sewn to the interior of the molded outer Bolteron shell, your draw becomes silent and no more scratches up and down your firearm. When seconds count, you can rest assured that you will have the upper hand when you need it most. Whether you carry open or concealed, the Relic Holster is available in four different models, fitting over hundreds of different style guns. The new reliable, easy, light, individual carry holster by JM4 Tactical. Order your relic today at jm4tactical.com. What's up, good people? This is Michael Woodland from M-W Tactical. This is Coach B from M-W Tactical. And we are asking for your help with two GoFundMe campaigns that we have started. The first one is we are making a professional movie and it's gonna be about our day-to-day life within the sport of shooting. Details about this campaign can be found by visiting gofundme.com forward slash we are making a professional movie. The second campaign, we are asking for you to donate to give financial assistance for those who cannot financially get the training they deserve. Remember, there are a lot of first-time gun owners out there, and I am asking for everyone in the gun industry to come together and make our community stronger. For more details, visit GoFundMe.com forward slash free firearms training. Remember how important training is to keep everyone informed and safe. All right, good people, we're back at it again, and thank you for sitting through the commercial break, and if you took notice, we have a new commercial with Walk the Talk America, so 
remember we had Michael Sedini, the founder of Walk to Talk America on the podcast where we interviewed not too long ago. And we actually picked up the commercial spot, you know, for Walk to Talk America. So I'm glad that we are able to do that for Walk to so, Talk America. That was a great show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was also. But I can tell you this. Every time I link up with Mike, and even if it's in passing, we are guaranteed to talk for at least 45 minutes to an hour. Every time. It, it was never one time where it was like, hey, give me five minutes. I'll be right back. Literally, we no, start, start talking and it's like 45 minutes to an hour, maybe more. Just depends. Oh, man, there's so much to talk about. Stuff happens so fast now. So oh, there's man. so much to, to cover and talk about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So like I said, he's a great guy. So um, if anything, please head on over to Walk the Talk America and um, check out what all they have to offer as far as um, help within the firearms community, um, given options, you know. And also speaking on that, we're going to get Rob Pincus on the show here in um, the next upcoming weeks as well. You know, so I think that's going to be some interesting conversations right there as well. Um, before we dive into these talking points, um, let's see if Coach B actually has two more birthday wishes she wants to talk about. I think my second one would be a beach house. A beach house. Oh, man, that's excellent. That's an excellent one. Yeah. The water, the sounds of the water. How close is the range to the beach house? Uh, if you're at um, Low Country Preserve, then you're right there on the coast, not far from the range. Yeah, yeah you got a point there. North okay. Carolina, it's up there. It's quiet. The beaches are quiet there. What's number three? Number three, um, probably a mountain house. Oh, oh wow, you, you're doing real estate. There's a range in the mountains. Yeah. yeah okay. Mm. Now, you know, when I um, came back on from one of my trips overseas, I went to the mountains and stayed in um, one of those cabins for a week, like straight. It's pretty awesome. Didn't have a cell phone. Like, they had a TV in the cabin, but I didn't turn it on. I, legitly, I just lived like that <laughs> for yeah. a week, you know. So it was pretty fun, though. So well, well, a beach house and a mountain house. Well, I am a Pisces and I'm a true Pisces. Um, so water is my thing. Oh, okay. So um, that would be my number one place if the opportunity arose is to live on the beach, at the beach. So if you had a choice between beach or mountain and those are your only two choices, which one would you choose? Beach, definitely. Beach? Yeah. I think I would choose mountain. No. Yeah. I'm bored in the mountains. I, I mean, I like it. <laughs> I like it, but I'm just, no, I'd rather be at the beach. Hmm. Okay. What about you, Dave? I would choose the mountains, the mountains man, because yeah. that being bored is what I would enjoy. I <laughs> I, I'm never bored. Yeah. I mean, there's always stuff going on in, in my head, at least, if nothing else. So <laughs> I'm never bored. <laughs> my wife and i my wife and i have found this little cabin in Asheville, north carolina Mm. it's right on the french broad river it's a little tiny place it's actually like a single wide trailer Mm. that they have converted and to make it make it look like a cabin but it's 
it's so close to the French Broad River that the deck they built out from from the side door is on the water. Like oh, wow. he, there, there's no land, no dirt between the side of the deck and the water. It's and there's a little like small rapids area right out in in front of the the cabin there. And um it's it's amazing. And there's no TV in the house. Um and you see I there's it. water there though, Dave. There is there's there water. There is water, yeah, and, water. And, and a little bit of rapids there, so it's it's kind of loud, you know, so you can hear it inside the inside the cabin. Yeah, it's, eventually it's you'll get used to it and it'll just be natural sounds that you'll just overlook because you got accustomed to it. Uh, if you live there perhaps, but we, yeah. we just go we go vacation there a couple times a year and it's great. It's great renewing for your soul. Do you go down the rapids? Do y'all get in the water? I get out there like and fish inter- sometimes. Okay. We don't, I like to inner tube in the we've mountains. We've never like gone down the river, but I walk out there. It's cold. It's usually cold as hell. Yeah. <laughs> 40 degrees because <laughs> it's water coming right out of the top of the mountains right but uh, eventually my legs will get numb and i can't feel it anymore so it's fine and, uh, i'll fish out there now speaking of mountains um montana and utah both now pass constitutional carry in both states you know so I was like, okay, is that a victory for the 2A community or is that more going to hurt the 2A community? You know, saying so like I'm on that fence <laughs> with that mm. one right there. Because like when I read it, I was like, that's a good deal. Maybe not. Well, it sounds like a good thing. Saying. Tell me, why, why are you thinking it might not be? Um, for instance, you know, like they're trying to pass, um, well, it's on one of the bills here in South Carolina for open carry. Open carry, yeah. I, yeah, I saw so, that recently. Yeah, and there were a couple incidents that took place in Charleston over the past couple weeks. And it was like back to back one week. It was one incident, then it was another week, all gun related. And of course, one of the senators or congressmen, I can't remember how I read it, but was making a comment as to saying, this is why we don't need open carry in South Carolina. What the heck would that have to do with anything? <laughs> yeah, but you know, like it goes back into that whole um, gun control fight that is being pushed by um, the top. Anything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's going to come down to numbers, you know what I'm saying? But then again, the same people that are pushing and writing these bills are probably the same people that are not educated with firearms no, one so bit. So no. it's like, okay, how are you going to tell me what to do? And you don't know anything about what we're doing, you know? And if you want to do true gun control, it should start with education. You know what I'm saying? So um, it's a perfect, that's a perfect place for it to start. I mean, yeah, it has yeah. to start there. And well, when I say, you education, want, I mean, put it in schools, your yeah. common sense gun control. Yeah, put it put it in schools. That's where it starts is education. Yeah. Now when I say put it in schools, I'm talking about like grade school. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because I honestly believe if you actually incorporate it younger, and then of course different programs will take it stepping up further, you know, society will be a little bit more educated and a little bit more well versed in versus what we have right now. 
I really, you know, yeah, a lot of people playing catch up right now. I really think so too. And, and everyone's, you know, situation is different, it, but I started my son out. He's 14 years old now. Um, but I started him out shooting, uh, I think when he was four years old, mm-hmm. um, we were shooting a suppressed 22 bolt action rifle in the backyard. And, and I was real specific about that for a lot of reasons because he was young and it, I didn't want it to be loud because a lot of the times the, the noise is intimidating to people mm-hmm. and kids, especially so I had the gun suppress. And, and that's another thing people are, are, you know, think suppressors are bad. Oh, they're terrible. The criminals use them for whatever. Most, I, I don't know of any kind of shooting I've ever heard of where someone's using a suppressor. But well, anyway, guys, anyway. <laughs> no, that's another yeah. issue. But it helps people be comfortable, become comfortable with shooting because the, the, the noise isn't there. The noise is kind of scary. You know, until you get used to it, it's loud. It's a loud noise. Any kind of loud noise is it's you know kind of makes you uneasy. Right. Um, and the and the bolt action thing, it was it was you know it, it essentially is like a single shot rifle um, until you you know use the bolt action part of it. And and being a rifle, a long you know a long gun, it's it's really easy to shoot. It's really stable. It's really easy to hit things, which I think is another important part of it. I mean, it pistols, handguns, it's, it takes a lot of training and practice to be able to hit anything with a handgun. Right. And it's one of, you know, it's one of the challenges in it that I like about what we do with USPSA, but just to introduce someone to shooting in general, um, it, I felt like it was great. And I introduced my son to to shooting so early on. He started competing with me actually, probably when he was about eight years old. Mm-hmm. Um, he we started Steel Challenge. We start. He started with a pistol, with a twenty two um, pistol, and uh, he got into some rifle stuff. And he got into USPSA after that and uh, got into some pistol and PCC stuff. And I have honestly never had to worry about safety-wise anything to do with my son since he was about five years old. Yeah, I Um, remember like seeing him at the range a few times and his awareness was spot on. It wasn't like anybody was correcting him, telling him, hey, don't do this or look out for this. You know, he was already aware of everything. He has... I, you know, even when he was younger, he has more awareness and, and better gun control than some of the adult shooters I've seen out there. Yeah. yeah so I think that's a great idea. Introduce them young. I mean, yeah. it's education. education. That's when their minds are most absorbent, like a sponge. That's when you learn as much as, you know, as much uh-huh. as you can. Yeah. I'm totally agreeing with that one. Awesome. Now, um, Coach B and myself, she had asked a question a few weeks ago, like, I wonder how many background checks are being ran. Because <laughs> you know, like how you keep hearing, it's the record number gun sales and yeah. everything like that. Yeah. So ended up finding out that there was a total of like 4,317,804 nick background checks 
Yeah. So for what period of time? Um, going into the end of 2020 into January. All right. So you remember January of 2020, they were saying that was the most it hit. How many background checks hit? Everybody but, was concerned about the election. Correct. Now yeah. going into 2021, now it's more from the pandemic, people possibly going to try to break into houses and everything like that. So that number shot up, you know, as a 60% increase. Wow. So, oh, did it from 2020? Even? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So I didn't know that. Now what that tells me is a lot of people who was possibly totally against firearms were now converted over because now they see the importance of it. Well, so. I hope so. I hope so. And, and people see a firearm as a way to protect yourself, which is exactly what it is. It's, it's a force equalizer. Right. Um, and I hope people understand that. And I hope people want to get some training and, and maybe change your views on mm-hmm. these terrible dangerous firearms that but will now, randomly go off by themselves while you leave them sitting around. <laughs> they got a mind of their own. <laughs> I don't know what people think. <laughs> well, um, let's not discount like how many of that 4 million count were denied, you know, um, of course delayed and people didn't go back and pick up the firearm, not understanding the procedure or the rules you know, when a background check like that. Oh, well, I'm sure I'm, you know, I didn't think about that. I'm sure there was a lot of that because people that are not normally gun owners or Mm -hmm. um, wanted to go buy a gun and they didn't know about all the thousands of laws and (laughs) regulations that that gun owners have to follow. So I'm sure there was a lot of that. Now, out of that 4 million also, there was 1,124,621 handguns background checks you know and then it went to 713,492 long gun um, related purchases you know so when, when you turn around and you look at it and you look at those numbers I'm a firm believer in it's going to be a political ploy they're going to use those numbers but they're not going to tell you anything it's like, we got a crisis going on yeah, the crisis is the citizens decided to take security into their own hands. They're not yeah. willing to wait for the police to come around because from March of last year, if a couple cities that was reporting, okay, we are not coming to help you if it's X, Y, and Z. Yep. This is life or death, <laughs> you know? That was bad. Yeah, that was bad. So that, that should have been an eye-opener for a lot of people, you know? But I do believe a lot of people have a false sense of security only because of either one, how their life was catered or the way the area they live in, there's no immediate danger right now, you know, versus as you can live five blocks from a neighborhood where a few people who don't have as much as the next neighborhood, guess which neighborhood is going to get hit? The people who don't have much are going to come into the people who have a little bit more and they, they're going to base their survival needs off of that <laughs> because well when it, if it really comes down to survival which it, it has been you know in certain areas mm-hmm. i mean people aren't left with a choice yeah so like 
here where I live at, right down the road, there's like three grocery stores going towards the east, right? And each grocery store had at least two reports that like for a while, it was like from March until November. It was more than two reports on each grocery store that people was walking out of the grocery store and their groceries got taken. They got robbed for their groceries and not robbed for money, robbed for their groceries. So <laughs> imagine I, you know, that. It's know, sad, man. Yeah, In so, the United States of America. Yeah, so that's where we're going. But the whole happening. thing is, is jobs. If you want crime to decrease, jobs. And you got to remember when pandemic opened up, how many jobs were laying people off because of oh gosh, how the work was structure was. Millions. It was millions. Yeah. So that's one thing. So um, there's your number quota right there that you was looking for there, Coach B. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Hey, just in case anybody's wondering, don't come rob me when I'm leaving the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> won't be a good day. 0.85 seconds later, it <laughs> won't be a good day. Won't be a good day. Pick, All right, pick, so now, pick someone else. Um, now, let me get your honest opinion on this one. Okay. So tell me what you honestly think of this after I make this statement. Bank of America turned over firearm related purchases over to the feds. What's your thoughts on that? So if you bought something in relation to your firearm, whether it was a magazine, a front sight post, a red dot, or even a new firearm, and you bank with Bank of America, they turned your information that showed that you purchased firearm-related material over to the feds. How do you feel about that? I don't think that's right. I mean, one wants the feds asking for it. Um, oh, you know exactly like, why they're asking for it. I mean, it's like a... I wouldn't agree with it. No. Mm. Um, What's your thoughts but, on it, uh, Dave? Is that a real thing? Yeah, that is real. I'll actually find an article again and I'll send I it don't, to you. I don't bank with them. Um, I think it is utterly disgusting to be in our country and something like that is happening. I really do. Yeah, well, you got to remember how that, many other people were cutting off purchases like PayPal was one of them. So if you was to purchase anything from a company that sold anything in relation to firearms, it was like they was not allowing that sale to go through. You know, it's something that I mean, honestly, that is something that goes against the the foundation of our country. That's that's there's nothing illegal about buying a firearm or a front sight post for a firearm. It's completely legal. Yeah, it is. But, but I don't think I don't think that's right that no an organization like that is doing that. They're contributing to the whatever anti-American politics that someone is is trying to pursue there. I I don't know. That is disgusting to me. Yeah. So if anybody out there actually experienced something like that because I haven't experienced anything like that, like purchasing anything, material or anything, you know. Um, but then again, you know, like I said, when I talk to companies, I'm getting it directly from the company. And it's like, okay, we'll do this later on. 
you know what I'm saying? So I directly never had that issue when purchasing something like a sale got denied or anything like that. But I'm curious to hear from anybody who possibly had that experience, you know, just to hear it firsthand and how did you handle it? How did you feel about it? You know what I'm saying? Because you have that look on your face like, I can't believe that is real. No, I, I, I well, that's why I asked you, is that real? Is there yeah, something you came I, up with? No, I just showed um, Coach B that, you know what I'm saying? I'm thinking that's why I stopped banking with Bank of America a long time ago. Uh, I, I, I stopped banking with them because I felt like I couldn't keep up. <laughs> you know, like. No, they had some scandals and stuff going on years ago, too, but. Yeah. yeah. My checkbook never balanced out compared yeah, to theirs. That's why I love them. <laughs> exactly. Dude, yeah, we're selling some credit cards under under without people's knowledge, and uh, there was some shady oh, federal, stuff going on. Federal there. kickbacks. That's <clears throat> oh yeah. <laughs> now, um, now, do you honestly think HR one twenty seven shows hostility towards law abiding citizens? Are you asking me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's all it shows hostility towards law-abiding citizens it doesn't do anything to prevent crime to to stop crime to keep firearms or weapons out of criminals hands it's just to make money it's just taxing of law-abiding citizens that's it it is not a gun control measure whatsoever. It's just a way to make money. Yeah. What's your thoughts, Coach B? I agree. Um, now she now she's not going to tell you how fired up she got about this. It's ridiculous. It was like a four day period. Every day she would say something else about this bill, and I was like, man, she's really getting into this. So go for it. No, I had someone. Um, I saw a post on Facebook and it made me go in and research the bill. And so I went in and I read it because I was, whatever was posted, I was like, there's no way that's correct. Cause it was saying that there was going to be an $800 tax, tax or whatever, right. but it was saying per month. And whenever I went in and read, that wasn't the case. Um, so I had to, I replied back and put all the different, you know, talking points talking yeah. points with it mm-hmm. um but that was honestly the first time that i actually read the bill you know i've heard the different things that people talk about and you know say about it but just reading it one of the main things that bothers me with it is the personal data that's going to be displayed for mm-hmm. everyone to see right. like no one should know what's in my house what's in my house house. and where it is in my house (laughs) and then my Mm -hmm. other thing is the psychological evaluation that goes along with it now i have nothing to worry about Mm -hmm. nothing but it's just that you're gonna evaluate me and then anybody that is in my house and then if i you know an ex-spouse you're going to evaluate them or ask them about me. Right How many there. people will never get a firearm? That's why if, they put yeah. that in there I mean, like that. that is <laughs> just yeah, because how many how many spouses don't get along after the divorce? Right. You know what I'm saying? So like, 
if that's what you got to bank on, like, oh, Lord, we all in trouble. Because, oh, yeah. Because you know, the government appointed um, psychiatrists, right, that, w- that would, that proposed that would do these evaluations. Yeah, but you're already banking. I mean, even that alone, right? So you're going against somebody who's already biased, right? Yeah. They're probably holding something against you for something that happened in a relationship years ago, but they're still holding that grudge against you. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, let me let me tell you about this, you know what I'm saying? But but how many people actually have an open line of communication whereas they are still, you know, cordial with their ex? Right. You see what I'm saying? So um but then again, how many people that just don't communicate with their ex, but when that pops up, it's like, okay, I'm not going to screw you over. Like, I don't have anything against the, you know, the other, but okay, I never seen this. I never experienced that. I think they're safe or whatever. All right, let it go. You know, no, that it would even matter because it sounds I, like I think they that's could, wrong, though. I think they could wrong. just come up with whatever reason that they felt. Yeah, exactly. Would prevent <laughs> right. you from owning a firearm. Yeah, and that, that's why that was put in there to be the roadblock. It's going to be the roadblock. Right. Yeah. One of the things that I saw was um, like it was talking about mental illness. Um, and it said that that would include depression. So if you've ever been to the doctor and was diagnosed Diagnosed with with depression (laughs) or said that you felt like you were depressed or whatever the case may be, that that right there could be the reason for you not to get denied. So it's about a hundred percent of people in the world. Correct. So basically you're not allowed to feel sad no more. If they've ever (laughs) lost a loved one or or lost a pet. Can't feel sad. No, nope, you can't. <laughs> that's, that's what he's saying. Don't don't feel sad. Or at least don't go to the doctor and get help. I mean, that's really and truly what is being said is that you can't talk about it, which is an issue. Is that yeah. you can't go anywhere would, to get help, which would lead to worse mental illness. <laughs> so, Correct. So you know, like when we came back from Iraq the first time like the 2003 invasion, when we came back the first time, what we noticed was anybody who stated like they was having an issue off of what they seen or what they did overseas, they was putting them out the military, right? And then after a while, nobody was saying anything about like, okay, I'm having this issue or this was bothering me, whatever. It wasn't until recently. And when I say recently, I'm talking like 2014, 2015. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Within before the, they made that turn, you know, whereas now you can years. openly say, I need Just help. A few years. Yeah. And then you'll get the help and you won't have to worry about getting kicked out. You know what I'm saying? So honestly, think about it. 2003, right? Because not everybody's built to handle that situation. And then 2014, 2015, 10, 11, 12 years. Right. Difference before that change took place. Right. But now, if that was something that took place in the military, don't you think the federal government, because all that information had to get pushed up? They well, like, okay, right. look, this is people in our society. What's going on? <laughs> and it's like they're not talking to each other. Right. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's crazy. It's crazy. No one that, no, veteran would would be allowed to own a firearm i imagine no no, that's not true that's not true 
<laughs> well, I don't know. They, but, but they could blame it. They could blame anything that you had to do for the government to defend our country. Well, you know, I mean, I had a few cases where people tried to use that against me, but um, at the same time, it was more like, okay, look, I'm not being irate towards you or anything. You just don't like what I'm saying to you, and you're trying to make it out to be something different. (laughs) You know, that's that's what I don't like about that. I mean, they could they could play anything around. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's a wordplay game. It's a wordplay game. So yeah, it's sad. It's sad. But when you turn around and you look at it, okay. We're supposed to be top tier, lead by example, but that's not what's taking place. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I don't know what to call it now because it's more like, man, you look to the left, you look to the right, which side is going to eat you the Pac-Man pellet first? Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> you know, bro, it gets crazy. It gets crazy. It is getting you know, crazy. So, but what do we do? You know what I'm saying? The same thing I said beforehand. Get involved with your senators and congressmen. Call them on that phone number. Email them if you have to. But get active with them. Let your voice be heard. That's the reason why you voted. You put people in office to support your better interests. So make them work. You know what I'm saying? That's why you put them in office. That's what your taxpayer dollars are doing. You know, put them to work. You know, but sad it's sad overall it is sad yeah so but these guys work for us regardless of what our current president thinks mm-hmm. they work for us yeah that's true now um for those of you who are looking at the podcast on the youtube channel and if you are listening to it on audio take the time to head on over to the youtube channel the mad scientist is working on somebody's firearm yeah it is this in- out Atlas firearm is a beautiful firearm right other here. than it's blinding right now it is <laughs> a little bit hard to see because it's chrome <laughs> i need my 100 hd goals on at this moment <laughs> it's a little hard to see but this one's a little bit different with the black grip everything else is highly reflective and a little difficult to see but this is a uh, atlas nemesis with the um sight block uh front post there it's part of the slide has been kind of milled down and there's been a sight post um, threaded onto the barrel. Um, this is one I was just adding a uh, different thumb safety to it for a uh, friend of ours that we shoot with. But this is just another one that's, that, that, you know, that's in process right now. This is a fantastic competition firearm. Um, now, the one nemesis that beautiful. I did fire, um, actually, I fired two nemesis. And it was different loads between the two different ones. And of course, I felt the difference between the two different loads. But I was actually impressed with how well put together the Nemesis is. Man, Adam at uh, Atlas Gunworks is has very very much impressed me. I've, I've handled and, and worked on a lot of different firearms from these custom gunsmith gunsmiths, and Adams craftsmanship and, and, and quality of work has highly impressed me. I'm very impressed with his firearms. He does some great work for sure. Oh. Now, um, Coach B ended up getting a new trigger and trigger bow in the mail from a company that we can't talk about as of yet, but it's we that one. will be talking about this product. That is might be <laughs> the new latest and greatest that will blow your mind. This sneak peek right here. It's the same trigger. 
Yeah, but it's this one has a little bit better options than that one. <laughs> it, but, it, um, is it a short one? This is the medium. I don't know what's. You remember what size it was? I don't remember. Yeah, it's like I said. We, I took it out. I looked at it, and I was like, "Okay, cool." But I was more like, "Let's link up with you know the mad scientists and let's play with this together." <laughs> you know? I, I really liked him. I liked I liked those triggers a lot. So um, that's the the one thing. Um, when you turn around and you look at it, I was like, oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. So uh, we got to get it on there so she can actually do her little field test on it and um, give her little review on it so she can um, actually be on camera when she does it instead of, don't put the camera on me. Let's <laughs> yeah, do it. She wants to be videotaped when she's shooting. Wow. Yeah, let's get in there. It'd be great. <laughs> yeah, It'd be great to get, get the feedback from it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it will be also. So... Um, but we're gonna we're gonna do a, a video review on that, and um, we just got to link up with the company that sent it to us, and um, give them their feedback so they can say okay, whatever, and then we put it out there. So probably within the next week or two, we might be um, handing that stuff over to you so we can actually do all that stuff. We'll do it. Yeah. So um, you got anything else you want to put out there, Coach B? No, I don't think so. Yeah, so um, I do. Again, happy birthday to Coach B. And if you haven't had the chance to say happy <laughs> birthday to her, leave it in the comments below or actually go ahead and email info at m-wtactical.com. And to let y'all all know, she is the one that handles all the emails anyway. So she will be seeing all the birthday wishes that come through. So flood the email, shut down the server just to say happy birthday to Coach B. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who has already written. Hey, that's it right there. You got any last words there, Dave? I do. What are we doing with the Blazon spot for oh, South Carolina section man. championship? We got to figure this out. All right. They're so the sponsor for today's show. Yes, they are. And so let's do this. Um, you want to do a YouTube live Wednesday? Um, hold on. I have to check my calendar. Um, the owner of that gun is coming by Wednesday to pick it up. But after that, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Okay, so we're gonna put this on Instagram and Facebook when we're gonna do a YouTube live and an Instagram and maybe a Facebook live as well. All right. Whereas we're gonna give a free spot to the South Carolina section, whereas the only thing you got to do is just show up and shoot. You don't got to pay anything. So we might have two spots, but as of now, we have one. One for sure. Excellent. Yeah. So, so are we doing it this Wednesday? Yes. That'll be like tomorrow Wednesday. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, is that enough March? time, Coach B? Yeah. Is that enough time for you? Mm, I don't know. Oh, next, Lord. Here we go with the next admin. Is it next Wednesday? Should I don't. Should we do next Wednesday? So you want to do next Wednesday? I think oh. next Wednesday. So um, hopefully okay. we have more listeners, more people out there. Okay. All right. So, so what's the date? What's that like? The I don't have my calendar. The eighth. Okay, I'm pulling it up right now. I don't have my calendar. <laughs> so this Wednesday is the third. Next Wednesday would be March 10th. Yep. We got anything? We're gonna do it March 10th. 
March tenth. I, I say March tenth. All right. So everybody, please send all the hate mail to info at m-wtactical.com. Uh, <laughs> all right. So take well, a place next week instead of tomorrow. <laughs> we'll know for sure by then if there's one or two spots. Yes. We, we yes. know for sure there's one, but there might be two. Correct. And we'll know. We'll know March tenth for sure whether there's two spots or not. Okay, so what we'll do is we'll put all this information again on Instagram and Facebook. And if you are like listening to the podcast right now or watching the podcast right now, share it with your friends or anybody who you know that wants to shoot the match that they could have the opportunity to win a free spot at the South Carolina section taking place 30 April through 2 May in Belton, South Carolina. So what do we need to do? We just need to tune in. Uh, right now, just follow us on Facebook, Instagram at at CSRA Shooters and at M underscore W Tactical on Facebook, CSRA Shooters and Facebook M W Tactical, and just look at the video that we're going to be posting throughout the week in regards to um, what we're going to do for this YouTube, Instagram facebook live excellent and just join us next wednesday yes that will work so since uh coach b makes all the plans right is that good coach b is it is it okay that's okay okay good cool cool, it's approved all right good you know when we be out there shooting matches and she'd be like doing the ro duties she'd be the one i'm in charge so she is that's right somebody's got somebody's got to be in charge yeah that's it right there now um going into the interview section we have an interview this week with um robert vogel you know so um, yeah yeah he has vogel dynamics if you actually follow um taron butler taron tactical on instagram you always see him on his feeds either on youtube or instagram but robert vogel is a phenomenon a phenomenal shooter and shoots very well. And I think his instruction videos are on point. He so, gets around in the Columbia area occasionally to teach some. Yeah. And he actually stated in the interview, I think he said October. I think it was October. He said in the interview that he was coming in this area again. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I was like, hmm, okay, so check out that interview that's coming up in the next segment, whereas me and Robert Vogel are talking and he has um, a pretty interesting view on training. And then he talks more about like the trigger designs he has and his sight designs that he has. He's a Glock guy, right? Yeah. He's more of a Glock guy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, He's more of a Glock guy. And um, I think I made a decision on the carry optics thing. So, Oh, but we're going to talk about that next week. Mm, so. Yeah, we need to save that for next one. Yeah, we're going to save that for next week. So, um, <laughs> but let's go ahead and um, bleed into this commercial break. Come on back and then um, jump into this conversation with Robert Vogel and um, see how that's going to pan out. So y'all cool with that? Sounds, Sounds good. good. See right. you guys next week. Yeah, that's it right there. So everybody. Next stay. Wednesday. Yeah. So stay in your seats and turn the volumes up. And here are a few words from our sponsors. Yo, 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 this is Kita Bussy, and you are listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. What's up, good people? 
Thank you for taking the time and listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. Please, go visit the M-W Tactical store at www.m-wtactical.com forward slash store and help support our efforts by purchasing a shirt or two. If you haven't done so, go follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for M-W Tactical. The gun cleaners. Our solvent is, I think, second to none. Our lube is second to none. Their lube's heavier than water, which is just a huge thing. People don't really put a lot of thought into that, just how huge that is to have on your gun, especially if you still carry. The gun cleaners. Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, you're going to sweat a lot of the other lubes off. With ours, it'll stay there. The gun cleaners. And maintaining the quality of the process, the quality of the end result is another, and you guys are able to do both with the process that you have there. Order your supply of the lube and the solvent at www.theguncleaners.com. Are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm, but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating, crowded, or uninviting? There's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds, the gruff salesmen, and the marked up prices that come with a brick and mortar gun store. The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store and sent to a federally licensed middleman called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina concealed weapons permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at CAE Transfers. Thank you for your business and I look forward to seeing you soon. I'm Jason Pratt, Masterclass USPSA shooter, owner of Brass Monkey Bullets. If you're interested in competition bullets, Visit www.brassmonkeybulletsllc.com or call me at 423-967-1063. For more information, my email is brassmonkeybulletsllc at gmail.com. Thank you. What's up, good people? This is Michael Woodland from M-W Tactical. This is Coach B from M-W Tactical. And we are asking for your help with two GoFundMe campaigns that we have started. The first one is we are making a professional movie and it's gonna be about our day-to-day life within the sport of shooting. Details about this campaign can be found by visiting gofundme.com forward slash we are making a professional movie. The second campaign, we are asking for you to donate to give financial assistance for those who cannot financially get the training they deserve. Remember, there are a lot of first-time gun owners out there, and I am asking for everyone in the gun industry to come together and make our community stronger. For more details, visit GoFundMe.com forward slash free firearms training. Remember how important training is to keep everyone informed and safe. All right, good people, we're back at it again. And on the interview portion of the M-W Tactical Podcast, 
we actually have someone I consider a living legend in the sport of shooting. This guy is a multiple champion over and over again. Once you look at his resume, it is so phenomenal. It was, it was just mind blowing to me. So let's take it back from 2002 to present. Ipsic world champion, two-time IDPA world champion, four-time USPSA national champion, eight-time IDPA national champion, 10-time IDPA indoor national champion, two-time Ipsic national champion, four-time pro-am professional champion, and the list goes on. The whole interview would be me rattling off this guy's resume. So without further ado, I would like to welcome Robert Vogel to the M-W Tactical Podcast. How's it going for you, Rob? Hey, pretty good, man. Pretty good. A pleasure to be here, and thanks for asking me. So glad this worked out. Oh, yeah, man. So, um, of course, you know, I'm one of those guys, whereas I do like to talk firearms, but at the same time, I want to get the knowledge so I can further my shooting journey within the sport of shooting as well. Sure. Yeah. No, definitely. It's all about... All about that. We never, none of us know, knows it all. So uh, I'm, I'm still trying to learn stuff as we go to doing this for, for a while. By you learning, that means you're still a student of the game. Yeah. No, I mean, the minute you think you know everything, uh, yeah, that's obviously when you stop learning. So, yeah, exactly. So, for the people who do not know who Robert Vogel is, how would you tell someone who you are? Well, I mean, who I guess just, you know, background with, how things got started for me. I grew up on a farm in Ohio. I was shooting since I was a little boy. I was probably about 15 when I guess really got into handguns, really interested in, in that. And about the same time I wanted, decided I wanted to be a police officer. Um, from the police side of things, I got out of high school, went to the academy, got hired at 21. Um, I've done, so I've technically been a police officer for about 20 years. I did about all my 20s full time. That was like my real job. And um, just regular, like second shift cop type stuff. I was on a SWAT team and, and firearms instructor. And then the last uh, 10 years or so, nine or 10 years, I've done this whole shooting thing full time. The, the competitive shooting, I guess that's, that's obviously more what I'm known for. I started competing just out of high school, uh, which has been like 20 years ago. So IDPA, uh, USPSA. And I, I did, you know, I, well, I had a lot of success early and, and was winning state championships within a few years, going to nationals a couple of years after that and ended up winning nationals. And to me, I tell people that the first five to seven years of competitive shooting was just total hobby for me, like it is for most people. I'm spending all my money on bullets, match fees, travel. And I guess once I had won nationals and, and, I was starting to get some sponsors and people started asking me to do classes. And so like five to seven years in um, kind of breaking even instead of spending all my money and like breaking even. And then people start with the classes, I start making money and it just got to the point where I was having enough opportunities. I couldn't get enough time off the police department. So I left, I think it's been nine years now that I left and I've, I've been, I guess I would consider myself a professional shooter in the fact that I'm, making a living at it. I am I'm teaching a lot of classes and I have products, sites and triggers and things that I sell. And I am still competing. I don't compete as much as I used to, but I am still doing it some. Um, 
but yeah, that's, that's pretty much, pretty much my life. I, these days I travel a lot different, like weekend classes all over the place. I go out of the country a decent amount too. And, um, that's what I, that's what I'm doing. Okay. So now you said you started doing competition shooting when you were, um, in high school, leaving high school. Now, was this USPSA or IDPA or were you mixing the two up at that time? Yeah, I started, I shot my first match and I was 19. And I, I, at that point I'd been shooting handguns regularly for three or four years, but first match was IDPA. I shot IDPA for a year and then I went to USPSA and then pretty much only shot that for a year. And then ever since then I shot both. Um, so I, you know, learned to bounce back and forth. And in recent years, I really haven't shot as much IDPA in recent years. But for the most part, I IDPA, USPSA, and then IPSC is is basically the same as USPSA. It's like international version. That's a little complicated to explain to people that don't really know much about that. But um, it's IDPA and USPSA. Obviously, they're uh, it's always different. You're running courses of fire that are are made up and, and dreamed up. It's not. The, like most shooting sports are the same exact thing every single time. Right. And, you know, Olympic stuff, bullseye stuff, trap shooting, all that stuff is, you're, you know, not saying it's easier or harder, but you're doing the same exact thing every single time. And what I've liked about IDPA, USPSA, of course, is that it is always different and, you know, a little more thinking involved and, and strategy. And, and so that's just what I've always liked. Okay. So now you had the childhood dream of becoming a police officer. Now you're doing in high school competition shooting. How did that transfer competition shooting going into the police force? Well, I mean, I started competing the, about the year I was 19. So I guess the year after high school, I started shooting competition when I was in the police academy. So mm -hmm. I really, I guess, started the whole police thing and the competition thing. I started that about the same time. Um, but I mean, translating wise, the shooting skill set is is the same. I mean, shooting a handgun fast and accurately. So, you know, anything you do, if you even get to a decent level in competitive shooting, you're typically going to be, you know, let's say light years ahead, but quite a bit ahead of the vast majority of, you know, law enforcement shooters as far as skill level. So anything, you know, the whole tactics mindset thing, that's kind of another animal, but shooting skills wise, Everything I ever really had to do on a practice range with police SWAT team type stuff was was a piece of cake. Very easy compared to, you know, what you would see at, at matches and, and high level matches, especially. Now, in the classes do you teach? Well, in the classes that you teach, do you actually encourage your students to do competition shooting or do you tell them to sway away from it? No, I, I always do. I mean, I always encourage to shoot competitively because I mean, at the end of the day, there's, there's only so many ways to put pressure on somebody um, with a real gun in their hand. You know, it's, it's just, and if you can do that stuff, it's again, the, the, the stuff in the police Academy training, or it's just easy. I mean, I see people have qualified officers for years and stuff, and I see guys getting nervous, you know, qualifying at the range for the police department, whatnot. And it's just like, again, that's easy. Right. compared to the competitive stuff so you can do that you can do the competitive stuff that stuff's a piece of cake and at the end of the day it's you're getting experience shooting you know fast and accurately especially under a clock and all that stuff so 
I, I totally encourage it and, and always think it's, it's a positive thing. You, you have a whole, there you have people out there that'll knock it and say this and that, whatever about bad habits that I, I think that's largely unfounded. I mean, I'm not saying there's never any negative to it, but it's, it's in my mind, you know, at least 95% positive. Um, it just makes all the shooting stuff at a subconscious level. Totally agree. Um, buddy among, we have a disagreement amongst us about competition shooting. His whole thing is you won't be able to react until a beep goes off. And I was like, no, your beep is when your life is in danger, according to what the bad guy does. Yeah. So that's yeah, <laughs> you know. yeah. In me, in my mind, I mean, we're human beings and we can, if I guess if you're fairly intelligent, you can differentiate between different situations. And, and the whole argument with people, I think, against competition is, well, you're not doing the exact same thing. You got the buzzer, you got to unload and show clear. And so if you do that in a gunfight, well, you know, show me where somebody, I'm not saying it's never happened, like show me where somebody in a real gunfight did some kind of a competition only move and got themselves killed. And if you can show me one of those times, out for every one of those times you can show me, I'll show you 50 times where the guy got killed because he just couldn't shoot because he's right. because he, he, he you know mm-hmm. his grip trigger control hitting the target you know he couldn't do that and that's that's what competition shoot shooting teaches you. In my it's it's similar almost I think to I don't know, the whole fighting UFC type thing. Well, in real life you're you're not wearing gloves and you're not you know <laughs> exactly. you can't eye gouge and do this so you know you shouldn't do you know right. I kind of see a little bit like that. It's a convenient excuse for not being very good. Yeah. My, my whole thing is, is um, competition shooting, it puts more stress on you than, well, probably the equal amount um, in a real world situation, right? The only difference is the real world situation, reality hits your life or their life. That's yeah. So it's going yeah. to push it- you or have you run. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, pressure is pressure to a certain extent. And, and a lot of this stuff in real life, I mean, the, the, as a cop, you know, full time, eight and a half years, the times I can think of a handful of times that were, were, you know, fairly dangerous type stuff. A lot of it comes down to how much time you have. Most of the times that the dangerous situations I was in, there was no time to get nervous. Sometimes there is. Sometimes like, we're going to this building. This guy's got a gun you know, half an hour beforehand, you're going to do it. There's a buildup. You can get a little bit nervous. A lot of times it's just like, you're kind of in normal mode and oh, shit, this happens. Right. And then there's no time to get nervous. And the competition stuff, that's, there's definitely time, like, you know, building up and especially at nationals and worlds and, you know, there can be a lot of pressure. And so there's a lot of different, different aspects to it. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Now, Let's take it forward when it comes to shooting a firearm, a handgun specifically. Between the two, trigger or sights, which one do you think is more important, whereas a beginner should learn, than what's more important for a more advanced shooter to learn? Yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously definitely both, but I, I can definitely say I think what people have the most trouble with the hardest thing to learn and master, which i really have to kind of consider the number one thing would be trigger. Mm-hmm. Um, that is just, especially on a handgun simply. And I give a whole spiel about it in my classes. I spend a lot of time on it. Just being able to work the trigger, 
have the trigger finger work, you know, somewhat separately and independently from the rest of the hand and fingers. And especially you start shooting fast. And so many guys, I mean, it's, it's there at the same time as they're moving that finger, those other fingers, the rest of the hands moving a little bit. And it, you know, the whole low left thing going on with right-handed shooters, mm-hmm. that is the hardest thing for people to really master. Right. So, you know, the sights thing, that's one other thing too. I mean, it obviously depends kind of on the distance and whatnot, but definitely the trigger number one, I've, I've really always felt that way, at least probably the last 10 years. Yeah. So when I, you know, shoot USPSA, of course, and I had moved up and I ended up getting an STI um, DVCL and 40 and, you know, shooting it for like six, seven months, my buddy, who's the co-host of this show, Dave, he was more like, hey, I think it's time for you to go to a lighter trigger. So I was like, okay. Of course, I didn't know how light the trigger was because, you know, yeah. buy that gun, it's like two and a half pounds. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So went to a lighter trigger and I want to say, man, it was like three or four matches in a row. I was DQing. Yeah. <laughs> I was coming out extra slow just to be cautious and everything. And then when we made the decision to put back in like another trigger, we went with um, a harder trigger. So then STI. Yes. Yeah, still in the same STI, yeah. but yeah. now we're at a five pound trigger, you know? So I was rocking it with that one. And then yeah. I ended up getting um, a new gun, a Brazos Custom, which went back to a 2.5 pound trigger. Yeah. And it was like, it took me about three weeks to get used to that. <laughs> so, yeah. Man, that's like crazy, like how that little bit makes that big it, of a difference. That's, yeah. You know, you go to two, two and a half, roughly to five, it's a big difference. And a lot, so much of it's what you're, <laughs> what you're used to, to. I mean, it's, yeah, somebody's trained on a five pound trigger and they've spent a lot of time on that and hand them a gun with a two, three pound trigger. And yeah, it's going to be going off early. You're going to have, might have some problems, but you train enough on that, you know, two and a half pound trigger after a while, then that's you just, your sensitivity level is going to develop to that gun. Right. And then I really think after a while, you won't have any more danger of that two and a half going off than the five, but it, it's just a matter of time that you put in on that. And right. I've gradually over the years gone lighter and lighter and, and the triggers and, and just, there is definitely a performance difference when you start sh- shooting fast at distance and at harder targets. Right. Uh, that's when it makes more of a difference. You shoot full size targets, seven, 10, 12 yards. Doesn't make a lot of difference. You start shooting you know, partial targets or 20, 25 yards. And you're trying to do that fast. Mm-hmm. Um, you can definitely, you know, gain some, some performance and some time with light, a lighter trigger. I mean, there's a reason that, Obviously, the vast majority, pretty much everybody at the top. Right. Some people have lighter triggers than others, but nobody's shooting a really heavy trigger at, at the higher end of things. Right. Competition-wise, but. now, out of all your competition um, handguns, what's the lightest trigger out of all of them? Well, I mean, I've got a bunch of guns. Obviously, I've got. I mean, I've got some triggers right down at right down about two pounds. Okay. You know, I've, I've, yeah. With a Glock trigger, it depends on how you measure it. If you measure it at the bottom of the trigger, or the middle of the trigger, it's because it's a pivot trigger. So it, it I, I, and a Glock, if it breaks, let's say it breaks at three pounds in the middle of the trigger, it will actually break closer to two pounds at the bottom of the trigger. Right. So if somebody's telling me they, I got a three pound trigger on a, on a Glock, right? I, my first question is, well, is that from the middle or is that from the bottom? 
So um, on an STI or something different, it's a different animal. So it doesn't matter where you measure it. But, but yeah, two pounds. I mean, I, if I can get them down to that reliable, then uh, that's, that's where I would like. Now I could shoot a three or four pound trigger just fine. But, you know, if you're splitting hairs, uh, can I tell the difference a little bit? Yeah, right. I, mean, I can't. Oh man, that's that's remarkable to shoot like that light. There's, there's a lot more so. work involved too. Once you start getting light, it's just there's a lot, a lot more work involved, and a lot more things can go wrong. And and right. you just got to know what you're doing a lot more mm-hmm. with the guns. Now, let's take it to um the sights. All right. So back when I was like really like trying to figure out a few things. I figure if you were to take a rear sight and make it a little bit bigger, but then make your front sight a little bit wider, whereas you don't see the light, I figured that will make it faster for you because all you're doing is really looking for no light to do it. But your philosophy is a wider, a thinner front sight, whereas you can see more light and you say you can pick up the target faster or pick up the front sight faster yeah i mean when you're shooting fast you, you know, think about it you're shooting you know four or five maybe six shots a second if you shoot right. a 20 split that's sick from the measure from the first shot to the sixth shot is, is six shots in one second and you, you're trying to see that front sight like literally going back and forth up and down you know maybe five or six times a second sometimes right and when you have more daylight when you have more space around that front sight which is you know from a bigger wider deeper rear notch and a little bit narrower front uh you can keep track of that front sight faster now if you're just you know joe blow going to the range and standing there shooting pop cans and trying to shoot a bullseye target a tighter sight picture can be a little more accurate possibly for slow fire type shooting but when you start running that gun fast and trying to aim fast uh, that's where I, I notice a, a, a big difference for sure. Like the stock block sites personally, I think are about the worst. Um, I can do all right with them, right. but I can just tell, like, you just, I can't see them as fast as right. I can mine or, or some others that are similar to mine. Mm. So. so let's, let's say this. Okay. Well, before we go to that portion. Um, sure. Triggers and sights. If a company was to come to you and say, okay, we want your input on this, what does it take for you to give the Vogel stamp to say, okay, this is ready for marketing or, okay, I'm willing to work with you, but you got to do X, Y, Z. Well, I mean, I guess that's a little complicated. It's just a matter of what I, what I right now, as far as me, like sites wise, I do have like my, my own site. So they are, I have a machine shop that makes them for me and it's Vogel Dynamics, the um, world champion Glock pistol sites. And I, right now I'm making for MMPs too. But so I do have like my own site. So like that's what I endorse. That's what I would put out there. Um, trigger wise, Glock, I have GlockTriggers.com, Jeff Wilson over there. He's, he's been a, a great guy for years. And in that product, they have a Vogel trigger. Now, in this case, it's it's their product, and I'm endorsing it. So it's uh, I get a commission on it, whatnot. But um, and that's you know ha- has done what, which basically started with me talking to Jeff. I have, that's probably been ten years ago or something like it, maybe more. 
you know, and telling him what all I do to my triggers. And he kind of came up with the idea to, uh, to make that and, and do the same thing. Right. Um, but yeah, it's just all, all in the, all in the, the details. Like I said, with the sights, the whole, you know, narrower front, bigger rear notch and, and certain sight height and, and, and the trigger just getting it, getting it lighter and cleaner and, and consistent. And, and then, you know, Glocks, I've shot Glocks now for 15, a little over 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really what I've, now I've shot it. I've shot a little bit of everything over the years, but that's, that's what I've shot. So that's, um, that's what I know mostly. And, um, yeah, like I say, that's what I'm, when I'm talking about all the stuff, sights and triggers, I am primarily talking about it on a, on a Glock okay. pistol. Yeah, that's cool. All right. So let's do this. Um, let's stick with USPSA and I'm going to say the division and you tell me, what do you think would be the better firearm for that division? Right. Okay, sure. And and of course the setup if you want to go deeper into it. All okay. Right? So let's start off with um single stack. Yeah, single stack, which that's that's one I, I have not done. I mean, obviously single stack, you're you're shooting some kind of a uh single stack 1911, right? And um it used to be where a lot of guys shot major. Nowadays everybody's not everybody's shooting minor because you know, 10 rounds instead of eight rounds, so some type of a single stack nine millimeter you get you know 10 plus one in the gun there's so many out there nowadays i I really i cannot tell you you should go to this company or that company i don't i'm trying to how many i think i have two or three in the safe um (laughs) and they're all guns that i've won right so i have never went out and bought a single stack gun to compete with myself so that's about all I could probably say on, on the single stack thing. Now, have you shot the single stacks that you want? That I, I've got the, the one I have. Um, yeah, it was a 45, it's a 45 Smith and Wesson that I won. I think when I won the nationals in 09. Right. Um, it's yeah, I've shot that a bit oh, and gosh. I've shot a bunch <laughs> of guys, guns and classes and whatnot, but 1911s are definitely, they're, they're more high maintenance. So, Overall, overall, I see more of those jam probably than just about anything else right. as far as just not running. Uh, at the end of the day, you got to typically get them to somebody that you can work on them right just to get them, get them running. That's, that's the main thing. Okay. Um, production. I mean, production, I, I definitely have shot production a lot. Uh, I mean, Glock 34. Okay. And that's, that was my go-to gun there. Right. And you know, that's trigger and all that lighter recoil spring. All right. But yeah, uh, revolver, <laughs> revolver. Yeah, I've never shot. I've sh- I grew up actually shooting revolvers. My first handgun. I was like 15, 16, 17, but I never competed. Once I got into competition, I never competed with a revolver. Uh, it used to be that what was the six twenty five Smith and Wessons um, that everybody shot. Now they, they you know the rules kind of changed or whatnot, so everybody's shooting minor now with with eight rounds. Um, I, I'm not even really can't remember which model smith and wesson those are but that's pretty much what everybody shoots and okay. uh in revolver right, 30 open. with 38 super yeah open now opens another one that uh that's is not really a glock that's gonna work real well in open you shoot the USPSA open major nobody's really ever figured that out to shoot a glock real well so you get a bunch of companies guys you know 38 super or some guys shoot nine 
a nine major if you can get it to run right. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, sometime, obviously 2011 or whatever, Infinity, or there's just so many different options out there with typically a Seymour or whatnot. Right. Um, yeah. All right. Limited. Limited I, and limited is what I've shot more in, in recent years. And for a Glock, most people don't shoot a Glock. Majority of people are going to shoot again, 2011 wide body STI or something like that in 40. Um, I shoot a Glock 24 mm-hmm. in 40, which is a six inch Glock. And I put quite a bit of weight on it. I mean, I'm in a heavier magwell and actually use like a, it's not a light, but it's a body of a light with some weight on it out front. So the gun actually weighs more similar to what an STI does. Right. Um, getting, getting around 40 ounces because you're shooting a 40, you're shooting major. So that's, you got more recoil to deal with. Right. Um, so my, my limited production guns, sights, trigger wise in the frame, the gun is literally the same. It's just a 40 from my limited gun. It's, it's a heavier gun and it's 40 caliber. And that's really about the only difference. And it's got a magwell, which I use really more for weight than anything and you're using longer mags so the reloads are a little different right um pcc yeah, pcc i don't i don't have a pcc gun <laughs> i've shot plenty of rifle I, should, I still shoot rifle some but um obviously everybody's ar platform with with a nine you know with the big long mags where you don't have to reload basically so some kind of configuration of that with with obviously some kind of a some kind of a red dot. Right. Everybody's using there. All right. Um, and carry optics. Carry optics. Um, yeah, I mean, if I were going, I've never really got into carry optics. I do have a carry optics gun. And essentially, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a 34 with a dot on it. So it's just like taking your production gun and putting a dot on it. And right. then I, you're, you can use the 140 millimeter mag. So you're instead of getting the 10 round thing, you're getting 22, 23 rounds in your mag. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's if I were to shoot carry optics, that's what I would be using. There's obviously a lot of a lot of guys are using it, like the SIGs, the 320s nowadays, um, mm-hmm. or CZs or something like that. Those are those are real popular. Now, I'm looking at diving into carry optics next because I'm like I said, I've only done limited. Yeah, and carry optics is what I want to dive into next, and. Of course, you know, I have a Walther Q5 and it's already set up, whereas you can put a red dot on it. I don't have a red dot for the handgun, but I'm still researching what I want to do. And like maybe a week or so ago, I came to the conclusion, what I'm going to do is I'm going to call Taryn and say, hey, what can you make far as the best carry optic gun and go from there and then do my research backwards instead of going yeah in, doing hands-on trial and error you know in a match sure yeah i mean it's you go you got a lot of options there taryn i don't know everything taryn does but I, obviously a lot with glocks and what i like with the glocks you, you have a, a, a better bore axis than most of the other guns i mean you're just bore it sets lower down closer to your hand um when you really run that gun fast it, it just shoots a little flatter when i shoot just about everything else besides the glock I know your typical whatever, your, your 1911 SIG, CZ, even whatever. The bore sets higher. I just, I can feel a little more muzzle flip. Right. And that's just, that's probably the main thing that I like. You do have to have 
on a Glock, since it's generally a lighter gun, you got to be more aggressive in your style. You got to have a, a better grip, a little bit stronger hands. Um, the trigger on a Glock, you're, you're typically you're not going to really get quite as good as you can get on some other guns. So I think you have to have trigger control mastered at a little bit higher of a level to shoot a Glock well compared to, you know, some of the, especially some of the single action guns with just lighter triggers that break cleaner, like kind of like a piece of glass. I mean, I see, I see all the time. If a guy shoots a 1911 versus shooting a Glock, he typically just, you know, the whole jerking the trigger low left type thing. It's just happening more with the Glock usually than it is with some of those other guns. So that's just something you have to master a little more if you're going to be good with that. All right. So now we know how you feel about all the divisions, what you'll do in all the divisions in a sense of speaking. We know a little bit more about your history as far as once you started competition shooting and then your work history until you went full time. What about your training classes? What does it take? Do you have a prerequisite? Um, Where all do you travel to? And if people want to get to come to your class or have you uh, host a class, what all has to take place? Sure. Generally, well, <laughs> as far as prerequisites, there really is no prerequisites in, in most of my classes, as long as somebody is safe. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not, obviously not for people that just picked up a gun for the first time last week, but as long as somebody, the main thing is the whole safety thing. If they're competent enough to, you know, not be waving the gun around and have any kind of real safety issues, then, then we're going to be, be fine there. Um, I go pretty much wherever the demand is. So I, I live in Ohio. I actually have a range at my house. I do a lot of like smaller private classes at my house. So I'm a lot of people come from all over, typically, you know, one to four private type, one to four people, private type classes at my house. The bigger classes, which are tend to be, you know, eight, 10, 12, maybe 15 people, somewhere in that range. Um, a lot of those are two day classes. And again, that's like off the top of my head. I mean, I was just in California a couple of times. I actually was just in Italy last week and supposed to be going to Texas here coming up in a few weeks. And um, it's all on my website, but it's just, it's kind of hit or miss. Uh, but yeah, kind of wherever, wherever the demand is at, as far as I mean, somebody wanting to set up a class is, is pretty simple. I get emails from different people and like, Hey, you know, if you've got a range, the first thing is obviously having a range that can, can host the class and then you know hammering out like a date that would work with me and the range and from that point it's just a matter of uh you know getting getting the signups getting the students and it's it's pretty simple to make happen my classes you know some of them some of them i'm handling the registration and it all goes through my website uh, other classes whoever is hosting that uh maybe handling it and whatnot but it's end of the day, I guess, as far as that goes, it's just a matter of talking to me. And then we, we get something figured out okay. and getting it, getting it obviously advertised out to the, main, the one of the most important things, of course, is just getting it out in that area advertised to where people will hear about it. Right. And which is all the whole marketing, social media thing, typically. Yeah. So the next time you actually come to Columbia, South Carolina, because in previous conversation before we started recording, you said you was in the area back in November. And yeah. I, 
I missed you by maybe a month or so. I can't remember okay. if it was left or right, but yeah, I think um, I've got I've got another class because I typically have the last three or four years at least I have done a class there in Columbia, uh, right around the November October November time frame. So I know I I have I don't have my calendar in front of me. I'm pretty sure it's either in October or November, but it's on my website. Okay, and uh, that's the next time I'm coming there, unless something comes up before then. Right. So if anything, um, when you actually come to Columbia, I would like to um, link up with you, shake your hand in person instead of doing it over video. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and then um, actually throw some throw some bullets down range and have a conversation. Yeah, yeah, sure. No, I hope that, hope that works out. But yeah, like I said, I'm pretty sure I'll be coming back here and, and uh, actually, yeah. <clears throat> just take me just a second here, but I'm pretty sure I got it. Supposed to be, yeah. October 2nd and 3rd. Okay. That's That'll work. South Carolina. That's the next one I got scheduled there. So, okay. Um, now, if the good people want to actually contact you, follow you on social media, how would they do that? Well, I mean, it's, I got not huge on social media, but obviously I have, you know, uh, Facebook and Instagram. It's just Robert G. Vogel. Um, pretty easy to find. Or it just, my website's vogeldynamics.com, but if, if you just type in Robert Vogel into Google, my website comes right up and my contact information is there, email. I mean, all the information about my classes and stuff, but my, my email is there and actually my phone number is there too. So I'm, I'm pretty easy to get a hold of and find if, if somebody wants to. Yeah, that's it right there. Yeah, YouTube channel too. Uh, I don't put a whole lot of stuff on there, but it's, it's just Robert Vogel. If you type that in, that would, that would come up. Gotcha. All right. So if you will, if you head on over to YouTube and just put in Robert Vogel in the search and then look at the videos that come up. And as I said at the beginning of this segment, this guy is a phenomenal shooter. And of course, when you put his name in, he has a lot of videos that talk about instruction from an instructor standpoint, as far as understanding the grip, understanding the sights. But it's just enough to get your palate wet to get you to come to the class so you can actually master the techniques that he is talking about, you know. So once again, Rob, I would like to thank you for coming on to the M-W Tactical Podcast. And um, if anything, in October, I'm going to see if my schedule is clear and then, you know, pan it out, whereas I can come to your class. And then after that, we'll bring you back on the show and then we'll do a follow up. Okay. Yeah, man. That that'd be great. I, I hope that works out. I'm excited. It was a, it's a pleasure. I'm always, I'm always open to do these sorts of things. So, you know, set it up, wasn't doing anything tonight and you know, get in here and talk about guns and all this stuff. So it's all good to me. That's it. That's all I'm about. So if you will, um, please stay in your seats and here are a few words from our sponsors. Are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm, but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating, crowded, or uninviting? There's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds, the gruff salesmen, and the marked up prices that come with a brick and mortar gun store. The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store and sent to a federally licensed middleman called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina concealed weapons permit and $10 for repeat customers. 
If you live in Columbia, South Carolina or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at CAE Transfers. Thank you for your business and I look forward to seeing you soon. Hey, this is Brian Conley at Hunters HD Gold. If you've never tried Hunters HD Gold, then I challenge you to find me at a match next year. Go to the website under scheduled events, find out where I'm gonna be, come meet me in person and demo a pair for yourself. Find out why shooters across the United States are changing the Hunters HD Gold to get 43% more light to their eyes, better contrast, eyes that are not fatigued at the end of the day based on the, the colors that we use, and find out the real meaning of why they change so you don't have to. So check us out on our website, huntershdgold.com, and I look forward to seeing you at the range soon. Mental Health and Guns. At Walk the Talk America, we are working with both the mental health community and the gun industry. Created by a gun industry veteran, Walk the Talk America seeks to raise awareness and create change through suicide prevention and firearm safety without legislation. We strive to eliminate the prejudice that firearms and mental health face. For more information and to support Walk the Talk America, please visit walkthetalkamerica.org. The gun cleaners. Our solvent is, I think, second to none. Our lube is second to none. Their lube's heavier than water, which is just a huge thing. People don't really put a lot of thought into that, just how huge that is to have on your gun, especially with concealed carry. The gun cleaners. Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, you're going to sweat a lot of the other lubes off. With ours, it'll stay there. The gun cleaners. And maintaining the quality of the process, the quality of the end result, is another, and you guys are able to do both with the process that you have there. Order your supply of the lube and the solvent at www.theguncleaners.com. Thank you for taking the time to hang out with us on the M-W Tactical Podcast. Remember, a new podcast comes out every Tuesday. If you can't wait for Tuesday, go listen to past episodes to catch up on what you missed. Make sure you visit www.m-wtactical.com and see what all is offered on the site where you can even purchase M-W Tactical apparel. But please, go to our Facebook and Instagram page and follow us on our journey in the sport of competition shooting and the realm of the two-way community. Until next week, keep shooting, keep practicing, and have fun.